Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hello and welcome to Extra Time, the web-only sports show from Radio New Zealand. I'm Barry Guy. This week we wrap up a very successful Commonwealth Games for New Zealand and hear from more of our medal winners, as well as those administrating the sports. We also hear from one of Scotland's greatest ever athletes, the sprinter Alan Wells. Anthony Hudson has been confirmed as the new All-Whites coach. We get an insight about the young Englishman. And good news for the New Zealand equestrian Jock Padgett, who has been cleared to compete at the World Equestrian Games. New Zealand's last gold medal came from Hamilton boxer David Nika, who took out the light heavyweight division. Nika says winning New Zealand's first Commonwealth Games boxing gold medal in 24 years is a dream come true. The 18-year-old Nika beat Kennedy St. Pierre of Mauritius in the final. Nika has only been boxing for five years and was only included in the team a few months ago. The, the, the Scots love a good brawl. Eh? Um, Kennedy St. Pierre's bowled through most of his opponents at this tournament and um, people love him for that and people also love me for my clinical performances but um, educated fans would know that I took out the second and third round. It looked quite emotional for you up there on the podium. You were trying to blink back the tears, but you couldn't quite do it. Yeah, I just let it go, man. I let it go. <laughs> I, it was, um, I think it was inev- inevitable. Um, I've got so much pride in my country, and um, I'm just happy to give people something to cheer for. This is the first Games boxing gold for New Zealand since 1990 as well. It's been a long time. <laughs> a long time coming. You must be immensely proud. Absolutely, yeah. Um, you know, that's, that serves as a benchmark, but... Um, when we are, when we train, and when we go into fights, um, my coach back in New Zealand uh, always always tells me to focus on the performance rather than the outcome. And uh, we've got a great team back at the back at the village, and they've they've given me all the support they they can. Um, and you know, I, I came in prepared uh, just to give my best performance every time I stepped in the ring. So f- five fights, five wins. Yeah, I could, couldn't be happier. And what's next for you as well? You're only 18. Uh, can we expect bright things from you in the future? Oh, uh, nothing less, man. Nothing less. Um, Onwards and upwards for me. Uh, with, I've got a uh, week or two off, so I'm just going to enjoy the next couple of weeks, and then I'll be training up for nationals in October. Rio, presumably, David. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm lo- looking towards uh, Rio Olympics 2016. Uh, that's that's one of my big long-term goals. Uh, so when I first started boxing, you know, it was um, that's pretty much the it's it's the peak of the sport. You know, um, that's that's doesn't get any bigger than that so um that's that's where i'm headed and that's where I, that's where i want to go I, I think uh at this rate i've got a good shot of good shot of making it um making the team and doing doing bright things there different styles of fighters too you, styles, would never yeah, have... you know um my first fight i um got my first cut over my over my left eye so that was something different uh my second fight was against the hometown boy so that was that was that was crazy that was nuts um and to come away with a, a good solid victory there was it was um really encouraging my third fight was against uh, the highest-ranked guy in the in the light heavyweight division at the Commonwealth Games, and I won that fight as well. So it's it's been huge. And my fo- <laughs> I'll keep going. <laughs> my fourth fight was against um, Northern Ireland, and I think I, I proved to a lot of people um, I can um, 
you know, I can mix it up with the with the big dogs. You know, I can outdog the dogs, outfox the foxes. <laughs> and my my last fight was just uh, it was it was just hard work. It was just hard work. He bring he bring um a lot of pressure. Uh, he's he's a big strong boy, and yeah, I'm just I'm just stoked to come away with a with a good victory. The Evergreen New Zealand middle distance runner Nick Willis added another bronze to his trophy cabinet in the 1500 metres. Willis had been in great form heading to Glasgow, and so because of that, he wasn't entirely happy with his run at Hampden Park. I haven't had a chance to watch the video yet, but I know it's going to be painful. I didn't realise that I had gotten that close, I suppose, and it's just going to make me... Um, the, the water factor, to at least have put myself in with a chance. Um, so I apologise to the nation for that, but um, yeah, hopefully it's, there's many more opportunities as well. When you talk about that race, you talk about when you got boxed in basically on, on the far side, is that what you're alluding to? Yeah, sort of 400 metres to go, I was happy with my position, and, I was waiting, and if it had got going then I would have been right going, but that's relying on other people to do something for you, and they didn't, they ran savvy, the Kenyans, they had three abreast and kept it somewhat slow until the back straight and then by that time other people were able to come around and sort of trap me in and guys who weren't able to keep up with the Kenyans at the end so as they slowed I was stuck behind them but at the same time I stuck to the plan of my coach to not stay on the rail at least I could get out when I wanted to um, and then I was able to somehow manage to come home with a third place but it wasn't really deserving but at the same time I'm still really excited to know that at 31 years of age, I can still kick like hell at the end, and um, that's that's satisfying as well, while frustrating to know that I didn't utilize it to my best of abilities. How does this set you up for Rio? I, I don't really think two years in advance of, a, of an Olympics makes too much difference. It's the fact that I'm healthy, the fact that I'm still improving, continues to um, establish me with opportunities to race on the the top races around the world and continue to be supported by the government and by my sponsor Adidas um, which enables me to as a, a father and a family figure you gotta support the family you know so that's a big factor to keep me running in the future um, so yeah I guess it, it means that I'm still excited to be doing it and um, Rio will be another opportunity. Do you think your best year is still in front of you then? asked me a year ago and it's hard to know but um, it's still projecting in a certain direction as, as you age um, you become wiser and um, you learn so many more things about how to train and do get rid of all of the stuff that doesn't really matter and um, understand your body better and your relationship with your coach continues to grow so until I see a decline I, I suppose I'll still be improving but even if I were to stay at this level I'm going to be in contention with a chance. There is little debate that cycling was New Zealand's best sport at the Games, 15 medals including 6 gold. The cycling programme finished with Jack Bow winning a silver medal in the men's road race. Bike NZ's performance director Mark Elliott spoke to the media at the conclusion of the Games. I think very satisfied with uh, our team's performance over the last uh, 10 days and you know, it started with a, a great track campaign which um, you know, we had every belief it would. I guess the, um, that, that little highlight in the middle with the gold-silver with mountain bike was pretty special, um, especially with those two young boys. They um, came into a Games Village environment they've never been to before. Um, you know, soaked it all up and then went and performed when it really mattered. So I was very, very proud of them. And then obviously, um, you know, Linda's performance uh, in the time trial was pretty special. Um, you know, there's been a lot of work that's gone behind the scenes to get Linda onto the top of the podium. And 
and she's uh, someone who really deserves it. So, and then obviously um, today, you know, team effort, team effort to put Jack Bauer on the top, but uh, in the silver in the podium today, and you know, I think that was uh, that just sums up, I guess, the whole New Zealand approach has been a big team effort. But are there areas you've identified you can actually improve on from here? Oh, there always is, and you know, as soon as you stop uh, thinking you've got it nailed, you're doomed to failure. So we've got a lot of stuff we can work on, and then that, that's the exciting bit. And in, in what areas? Oh, where do you start? You know, you start from, uh, you know, right from performance nutrition to, and, and it's not the stuff you see now, it's the stuff you see in what you do six to 12 months in advance. Um, you know, we did some really good stuff from um, February. You know, we've got a brand new velodrome now um, in Cambridge. We've got the opportunity to really get um, our staff and our riders working together. Um, that's where our gains are going to be made. So it's, you're not going to see the gains out here in performance. You'll see it, what's been done sort of 12 months in advance. Okay. Um, if you had to, I mean, could you pick out one performance of these games? There have been so many memorable ones. Do you think one stands out? Well, I mean, I think the conditions of today were just showed. I mean, Jack Jack's a pretty special guy. Um, you know, he's a great, uh, great Kiwi. He's just an iconic Kiwi. He's, you know, you can just see the way he reacts with all the pro uh, riders here. How well he's respected in the peloton. So you know, I think in the conditions today, I think um, what summed it up, I think, was Shane Archibald's performance. He, he blew that race apart today. Um, he set up um, Tom Scully for a gold medal in the points race. He won a gold medal himself. I've never seen a guy so fired up. So you know, if I had to pick one guy who did some pretty special stuff at this Com Games, it was Shane Archibald. What about in terms of the investment? There has been a lot going into cycling. Do you think that... I mean, your funders, are, I mean, they're obviously going to look favourably on this. Would you say it's been value for money? Well, it's uh, New Zealand public and high-performance sport to decide whether we've been value for money or not. Um, you know, the Commonwealth Games is not the Olympics, and we're funded to win Olympic medals. Um, yep, we've won uh, a lot of Commonwealth Games medals. That's great, but, you know, we should be judged on whether we win Olympic medals, and we've got two years to make sure we do that. Could you ask for a better setup than this for Rio, do you think? Well, I think... Um, there's two ways to look at it. You look at uh, the success here, which will give us some good confidence, and uh, we've got to move from that as long as we learn from it. Or there's the other way where you completely fail and you take a good, real good hard look at yourselves. Now, I think we've um, done some good things and we'll still take a good hard look at ourselves. So, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to um, you know, us making sure we can kick on to um, a new level in the next 24 months. Poor Commonwealth Games performances from triathlon and swimming mean future high-performance funding is in jeopardy. High Performance Sport New Zealand, which allocates government funding for high-level sport, will carry out a review of all the sports it funds that competed in Glasgow. Triathlon, which failed to win a medal in Glasgow, and swimming, relied on Lauren Boyle and para-swimmer Sophie Pascoe to win medals, have each received about $2 million in funding from High Performance Sport New Zealand this year. The chief executive of HPSNZ, Alex Bauman, Himself, a former Olympic swimming champion for Canada, is disappointed at the lack of depth in swimming and triathlon. While in swimming, uh, you know, we have Lauren, uh, who, who performed well in the 400 and, and 800, and, and obviously Sophie Pascal on the disability side, we're, we're not showing a, a lot of depth. There's been a lot of change in swimming, new board, new governance structure, new CEO, new high-performance director, new coaches, so uh, we do have to give it time. But I would have liked to have seen, uh, you know, a few more medals there and, and take a look at some of those new athletes or, or young athletes coming through the system. And, uh, you know, for me, I, I didn't really see that. Triathlon, I'm, I'm sure they would have been gutted uh, with the performance, even though Andrea came uh, came fourth, didn't get a medal in, in the team event. They were hoping uh, to get uh, two two medals. So we'll have to uh, take, a, take a look at that for sure. So what fallout will that have financially? 
Well, at this point in time, I think it's it's premature. I take a, I think we have to take a look at the whole whole system. So once the uh, debriefs are completed, we'll we'll really delve into it in terms of uh, the performance reviews for those two sports. We always kind of anticipated that, you know, they're really 220 sports for us, even though there may be some performances in 2016. Having said that, I think they do have to demonstrate that they do have the athletes for 220, and that's I think the biggest concern for me. You don't see that at present. Well, I have to delve into it a little bit more. I'm, I'm not seeing it here at the Commonwealth Games. <laughs> so funding-wise for them, are they sort of guaranteed through to Rio at that point, or, or could there be something that they may feel the, the brunt of, of these results earlier than that? Well, I mean, they're not guaranteed at this point in time to Rio. I mean, swimming's on year-by-year. Year. Triathlon was a two-year, so, uh, you know, in the end we're going to review it. Uh, if, if we make the decision to obviously support them, we'll take it to, to Rio and then uh, review after that. Cycling has been the, the big success story, hasn't it? And that's obviously HBCNZ's big sport, $6 million this year. Your thoughts there? Well, I mean, the performance has been uh, fantastic in, in bike, um, you know, and I think there's probably more potential on the, on the women's side, uh, team pursuit as, as well on, on the men's side. But uh, outstanding uh, performance uh, with the 14 medals and uh, six gold. So, um, you know, I think they're on, they're on track for, for Rio. It's a relatively young group. I think um, having them centralized in Cambridge at the new velodrome for the last six months has helped and that will uh, even uh, be better for Rio in 2016. So good rather than outstanding? Well, you know, I, I think, it, yeah, I think, you know, I'm always uh, quite conservative in terms of uh, medals and, uh, again, the Commonwealth Games, uh, you know, some events are quite competitive and some aren't so competitive, so you have to take uh, take it all in a balance. But obviously the, the relevance, you feel, is, has been reinforced? I've always felt that the Commonwealth Games are, are important because it, it does give our athletes that uh, multi-sport environment without so much pressure uh, like an Olympic Games. So it really is uh, an opportunity to test some things. Uh, you know, from an organizational point of view, it gives us an opportunity to test things like the Performance Center, which we really want to do in, in, in Rio, and uh, obviously ensuring that uh, there's no new faces uh, in the Games environment when we get there in 2016. That's Alex Bauman from High Performance Sport New Zealand talking to Stephen Hewson. And this is Extra Time. One of Scotland's greatest ever athletes, Alan Wells, is reflecting on the Commonwealth Games in Glasgow. Wells, who's now 62, won the gold medal in the 100 metres at the 1980 Olympics in Moscow. He also won four Commonwealth Games gold medals, two in Edmonton in 78 and two at the Games four years later in Brisbane. Wells also competed in the track series in New Zealand during that period and is remembered for battling it out with 76 Olympic 200 champion Don Quarry of Jamaica and the 76 100 metre Olympic champion Hazley Crawford of Trinidad and Tobago. Wells, who was one of Glasgow's ambassadors, says the Games certainly has its place. The Commonwealth Games does not pretend to be any more than the Commonwealth Games and that's, that's the important thing. And that's why it's the Commonwealth Games. And... Uh, I mean, unfortunately, some of the time it's Australia or England that are winning medals, but at the end of the day, you know, we all get in there and we all do our best and, you know, we come away with uh, with medals, which, which, you know, in, in whichever event we excel at. You know, unfortunately, they don't have golf, but um, I'm not quite sure if that would be any help to us at the moment. <laughs> you talked there about some of the, the change. What maybe springs to mind for you? Well, I, I just think it's got bigger. I think it's more commercial. Uh, I think this one especially is much more serious than it's ever been before. I think, I thought, I thought Melbourne was big and I thought Melbourne was great. I think Melbourne is a, an Olympic city. 
to be honest. And uh, but I think what they've done here in Glasgow, I think they've just upped the up the level that wee bit. You know, they're they're just you know just punching forward that little bit. You know, doing doing just more to make things much more comfortable for people. The competition in general over the boards is, is probably um, of a higher standard. Obviously, we're missing a few sprinters, but. You know, one or two people didn't make the the Commonwealth Games, and uh, I think people should remember that. You know, what do you think of the future of the games? Because there is a lot of talk about where, where they go from here, and, and and how much of a future that they do have. Well, I think it plays its part, similar to the Olympics. It's 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 helping develop um, areas. You know that you know, like Glasgow, the the the, um, the facilities they've got from the the games is phenomenal. I've got to say that they were going to have about 60-70% of that anyway. Um, I think the housing in the village was going to come four years later. So all that was in the pipeline. So, you know, I think I think it was coincidental we're getting the, the Commonwealth Games and that they could utilise the, the new facilities with the, the Commonwealth Games. So I think they've done very well and the timing's been perfect. I think if they got in the 86, it would have been a disaster. Unfortunately, Edinburgh had the disaster because the African countries... Uh, Boycotted it, and um, but you know I think that they've 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 kept that that wave going from 2012 in London, and uh, I think they've reaped a lot of the benefits from that. But I think there was a, there's a lot of people here that have supported 2012, and they've just come along here from 2012 and and carried on in Glasgow. And you know it's great; the volunteers are phenomenal. Um, I get a bit worried about the police being friendly with me, but I'm you know I'm really pleased about that. <laughs> just on sprinting internationally in general, I mean, does it cross your mind how you might have gone in your prime against the, the likes of Usain Bolt? Uh, yeah, I think, I think um, like everybody else, I would have been behind them, you know, <laughs> but, um, you know, as I say, the opportunity when these people didn't turn up, I mean, he is, uh, he's one of a kind, we've never had one of, one of his kind, and even when Bob Beeman did the long jump, uh, as he did, it was phenomenal, and but people have come along and broken that record. Um, you know, it, it's going to be it, it's going to be difficult for somebody to beat his record. I don't think it, he'll he'll beat it. I mean, that is gone. I mean, his time has been, and um, you know, he's. Uh, I think I, I can't remember 19.28 or something in the the 200. I think that's going to stay for a long, long, long time. I mean, Menea had it way back. Uh, I think it lasted 17 years at 19.72. So, I mean, it's going to be a long, long time. I, it's, it's certainly, I think I'll be six feet under unless there, there's somebody else that comes out of Jamaica like uh, Bolt. Uh, but they, they do seem to produce uh, sprinters, hurdlers. Um, you know, I think it's uh, a situation where they have to now be wary of uh, how often they're going to run. And I think this is why Bolt has taken this choice to, to just run in the relay, which is nice. It's nice people will see him, he'll get the biggest cheer. I think we'll we'll have heard in the, the games, um, irrespective of supposedly what he had said uh, yesterday or this morning. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I think he'll get the, the biggest role. He's going to be absolutely fantastic. Because, what do you think when you look back over that period where you were competing? I mean, your 1980 gold in Moscow with the boycott and things there. But you then got to you, <laughs> you ran against Ben Johnson. You beat Ben Johnson. Yeah, I mean, in 1980, um, was just just before Johnson came around, he came around 81, 82. Um, of course, the Americans boycotted. There was a lot of... I mean, I knew this was going to happen before he even got back from Moscow, that people would question 
the, authentic, the authenticity of the gold medal and the um, well, the fact is that I took the one in Koblenz as soon as I could two weeks later. Um, I'm still still wondering how I did actually beat them on that day. I was I was absolutely knackered. The the publicity, the everything that goes along with winning an Olympic gold medal, it was just unbelievable. And it's it's something that athletes have. Well, certainly in the sprints, I mean, it's it's one of the blue ribbon events, and you know, it's something that you're not ready to. Uh, cope with uh, because you've not done it before and there was nobody there to tell me because nobody else in Britain certainly that still uh, was still alive at that time had uh, could be could tell me so you know it was difficult to deal with that but um, I think that uh, taking on the Americans and beating the Americans uh, Mel Latney Stanley Floyd and Mel Latney came up to me afterwards and said Alan uh, I mean immediately after the run he said Alan even if we were there, even if we had gone to Moscow, he said, you, you would have still won, you were the best man on the day, you know. And I take my heart off to him, uh, he might have been right, who knows, I, I'll never question that, but you can never question that, really. It's uh, it's one of these things that can never be answered in true, in true detail, but uh, I think that um, you've got to go along with what's happened, it's history, and, uh, you know, I'm sitting here talking to you as Olympic champion, so that's, that's the important thing for me. The Scottish sprinting great Alan Wells talking to Stephen Hewson in Glasgow. This is extra time. Nine months after Ricky Herbert stood down, the All-Whites finally have a new coach. The Englishman Anthony Hudson was this week named as the new coach and his contract will take him through until the end of the 2018 World Cup campaign. The 33-year-old has until now been looking after the Bahrain national side and was asked by New Zealand football to apply for the job. Hudson, the 16th coach of the New Zealand national men's side, says he thought about it for a while, but once he decided to take the role, it all seems to have happened very quickly. Before we do get underway, though, we'll take a few photos. Shane. Take a few, Shane. The cameras flashed as Anthony Hudson was handed an all-whites jersey with his name on it before taking questions at a lengthy press conference. Afterwards, I got a few minutes one-on-one with the ambitious 33-year-old. You know, I, I really believe the, what the All-Whites, the path the All-Whites are on and where I want to be, it's a, it's a perfect fit and I'm, and I'm really excited to get started. And what was the first attraction to New Zealand football? The, the characteristics of the players, the, you know, I remember, you know, in South Africa, the, the, the mentality and the spirit, uh, the work ethic of the players was, was a, you know, and obviously to achieve what they achieved, you know, really, really, uh, you know, stood out. And I've, you know, ever since then, I've just really been interested in, in, in the All-Whites and, and whenever New Zealand play. And, and in recent years and certainly recent games, seeing the quality that's coming through and the young players and you know, seeing it almost feels like the team is evolving in terms of the type of players that are coming through. Is it World Cup or bust for you? Is that, is that sort of the motto moving forward? Yeah, I think you know, we, I've, I've come here for one reason. It's not just about going to the World Cup. It's about how we how we get there, uh, and and that will, you know, be gauged, and we will see that over the course of time, and and, and that in itself will gather a lot of momentum and um, gather, you know, a huge, a huge amount of support. But certainly, for me personally, you know, my only my only ambition is to go to the World Cup. And one of the big challenges that always comes up when we're talking about the All Whites is getting them together regularly enough, with them being based around the world. How do you plan to, or hope to, change that? Well, I, I think for, for me, I want to have as much as many games as possible, which is what 
you know, we'll be speaking with the with the the New Zealand football about trying to get as many games as possible, trying to get as many games as possible in Europe as well, so we can have European-based games. So these are things that you know we really in our planning and. Uh, we need to look at, but um, if we're creative, we can find ways. And I know it is a big challenge, but it, it's certainly uh, something that we we can do if we're, you know, we can really plan it the the right way. And do you anticipate that you might have to draw a line in the sand with players, saying that this is what we're doing as part of our program, and as if, if you want to be part of it, you're going to have to buy in and and be involved with sort of the whole thing? I don't think I'll need to draw a line. I think players will. You know, I always say this: I don't pick the team; the players do. So, you know, we'll, we'll straight away we'll start building the culture, we'll start um, implementing the style of play, and then the players pick themselves. You know, the, the players who, uh, you know, how they perform, how they they are on and off the pitch, um, they'll play themselves in or out the team. So, it's, I don't think I'll need to draw any lines. Players will, you know, be in it, or or, or they'll play themselves out of it. It's as simple as that. You know, that goes for for everywhere. And under Ricky Herbert, especially towards the end, there was criticism. I very guess the style of football they're playing, perceived negative tactics. What sort of style do you plan to bring in? I, I plan to bring in a, a style that is a, a positive style of football. You know, everything in our in in how we train and how we prepare will be uh, with a with a with a mentality of wanting to try and win games, wanting to try and be aggressive with and without the ball. Wanting to try and win the ball high up the pitch, wanting to try and be positive in possession, wanting to play good football, and at the same time being incredibly organised. Anthony Hudson talking to Alex Coogan Reeves. The New Zealand eventer Jock Paget says he feels as if he has his career back after being cleared of a doping charge. The International Equestrian Federation says Paget wasn't involved in any wrongdoing in relation to his horse Clifton Promises failed doping test last September clearing the way for him to compete at the World Equestrian Games in France later this month. The final ruling confirms that the positive test came as a, the result of contamination of an equine supplement during its manufacture, with, for which Paget bore no responsibility. Clifton Promise returned a positive test for the banned substance after winning the Burley Horse Trials last September. As a result, Paget was stripped of his title, a decision which will remain. The 30-year-old spoke to Morning Report Susie Ferguson about his exoneration and says he couldn't be more relieved after thinking his career might be stripped from him forever. Obviously, I'm very relieved and um, I'm very thankful for getting to this point finally. And you know, it's just nice to nice to get it done, and, and it's nice for everybody to be able to you know learn about the facts now and and see what's happened, and, and for me to be able to concentrate on my career again. Has this blighted your career? Has this been a cloud over your career while you've been waiting for this to work through the system and, and for all the arguments to be heard? Uh, well, certainly it's broken the momentum. Um, things are going quite well and I was having I was having a good few years and, you know, it was it was going up and, and obviously, you know, everything came to a bit of a screaming halt and so it's a little bit of a rebuilding phase now, but that's that's the job now to get back up there. And within the sport, what kind of support or otherwise did you get? Do you suddenly become the pariah? I mean, our sport is, you know, there's it, there's a lot of camaraderie within the riders, and you know, I wasn't at the competitions whilst I was banned, obviously. So, um, I didn't I didn't actually see everyone that, that that's involved that I that I normally see, but um, you know, the people that I'm close enough to to keep talking to throughout the 
process, you know, they're all very supportive. You know, the, the support has been incredible from everyone, you know, back home in New Zealand and, you know, all, all across the world. And you know, it's pretty impressive for the, the people that don't have the facts in front of them that, that are quite positive people, obviously, by nature, to get behind it and be supportive throughout it. Just talk us through where the contamination actually came from. Uh, it was one of the supplements that I was using for the horse. Um, we were able to find that the product I had at the time was contaminated with the prohibited substance and uh, we were able to trace the contamination back to the manufacturers and we were able to prove that the contamination started in the manufacturing process before it before it was released to me and the other riders that were also found to have contaminated product. And I understand that it was a, a trace approximately equivalent to three and a half drops of water in an Olympic-sized swimming pool. So, you know, a really excruciatingly small amount. But yet, do you think that there'll always be that question mark over you? Yeah, I mean, it's gutting to think of it like that because, I mean, I obviously didn't feel anything different with my horse. Otherwise, I would have said something to my vet that, you know, I felt that Promise was not himself or, you know, I would have been concerned to take him cross-country if he was a bit flat um, and not his normal self. But, you know, I mean, that explains why I couldn't feel anything because it was that ridiculously small level that's um you know they can it's amazing what they can they can find in the test they're very sensitive and um, you know they were able to pick that up and although although I couldn't feel anything and um, although it was such a such a small level that the rules say zero tolerance so if they find something then then you're done and so this of course happened after the Burley international horse trials you were then subsequently disqualified that decision is still going to stand. Are you going to be able to challenge that in any way? No, I can't. I mean, the rules are very clear. There is uh, zero tolerance. You know, it's quite. It is a very high standard. It's um, if there's there's any level of any prohibited substance, then you know, it's disqualification. It's it's tough. But that's fair for everybody. You know, we all we all have to go by the same rules. And but do you have any regrets you know, about that? Uh, well, <laughs> what, what can I regret? You know, I, you know, I didn't know that it was in there, and you know, I'd been using a product that had been safe for many years, and lots of other people have used safety for many years, and you know, I don't, I don't think there's any regret. You know, the ruling was no fault and no negligence, no negligence, because um, I couldn't have foreseen that this was going to happen. I was just caring for my horse, feeding my horse, and this is this is one of the things that can happen. Jock Paget, and that's extra time for this week. Thanks for listening. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.